listening to What the Truck. Hey, well, Vincent, welcome to Monday, my man. I was looking at the news footage. I was looking at the, the videos on News 9 out here in Chattanooga, seeing if I could spy any uh, anyone I know doing the protests on the bridge. Got to know who to avoid. <laughs> I didn't see you, though. No, I wasn't there. I, I wasn't there. I did uh, watch some of the video afterwards. I was discussing it with my father-in-law. He's an ex-hippie. He's now a Methodist minister. And, uh, but yeah, he says that the millennials could use some coaching from, uh, from himself and, and others that used to do it the right way in the 60s. He was, he was laughing about it quite a bit. Does he know the median millennial is like 30 years old now? Yeah. I, feel like the med- like they just, we, I complain about this a lot, but I feel like they just completely forget about the, uh, the age demo that's going on there. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly true. It's, uh, yeah, they're 30. Whew. We got the uh, comment section up right here, too. We, it's, uh, Chris Ulrich says, the dynamic duo of Dooner and the Dude. Faye Dunham says, hi. <laughs> Corey Elber says, Dooner, what's up, dude? And Faye Dunham says, a love. A love of, a love of all of us, yes. A love. Very stuff. I was love to you. <laughs> Before I came on air, I was reading, um, I was reading the study. and was saying that only one in five millennials had tried a Big Mac. Not saying there's a correlation between not being able to protest and eating Big Macs, but I don't know. Any thoughts on that one, Michael? I, I, I don't know, but I, I would be more concerned. Were there stats on the fillet of fish? <laughs> no, there, there weren't. There weren't. I used to work at McDonald's briefly. When I, when I was 14, I worked at uh, McDonald's. I did the drive-thru over there. It was an interesting time. Not a big Big Mac fan, though. I feel like that extra piece of bread, they're trying to go for like a club or something. It's superfluous. Yeah, the, the, fillet, the square sea bass, though. The fillet of fish. That was my go-to. Yeah, actually, there's a really good YouTube video that shows how they collect all the fillet of fish. It's like how they in Alaska, and they have this boat that picks them up and I don't know, makes them turns them into that square patty that they're that they're shaped. Exciting <laughs> stuff. Highly recommend. Do they Check compress them? Do they compress the fish into a square into this, or <laughs> is it cut from? Them? I don't understand. I don't know, man, but we have an awesome show today. Let's get to it. I'm not even going to go through the rundown. It's in the description. Check it out there. Let's pay our sponsors. It's Triumph Pay. Right. They've teamed up with us, right? FreightWave, to bring you this thing called the Drive Ahead. It's a broker's guide to market uncertainty. It's a free virtual event. It'll be focusing on how COVID-19 is affecting the freight industry and what brokers and 3PLs can do to protect their businesses right now. A lot of people wondering that. If you're a freight broker and wondering what your next step is, you'll want to tune in on April 23rd at 2 p.m. Eastern. Eastern time. That's what in only three days from now. Registration includes access to the live event, recorded sessions, Q and A's with the experts, and even a free gift to register. Tell them, dude. Go to triumphpay.com/slash/driveahead immediately after the show. Register and learn. <laughs> uh, Timlin <laughs> says, uh, "Is this beautiful morning, everyone?" Corey Albers. He wants to talk about the McRib. Uh, the, McRib, <laughs> the McRib. It was always a letdown for me. I'd it'd come back. I'd be like, "Oh, I got to get myself one." And you know, when I was in high school, when I was in Catholic school, we like Cisco or someone provided a McRib. It wasn't the McDonald's one, but it was better. I wish McDonald's had the like the high school McRib that I used to be able to get. Oh, was that pretty solid? I used to love the pizza when I was in grade school. Just a piece of cardboard with some ketchup on it, a little bit of cheese, delicious. That's disgusting. Uh, Corey, <laughs> I know. I know. Corey Elvis, he's got, so he's criticizing your taste in food too. He said that fast food fish is blasphemy for his uh, New Orleans folks. So let's hit the music. Let's get to these headlines. Yeah, hit the music, Dooner. Let's go. <laughs> All right, dude. 
this was a big story that broke over the weekend on FreightWaves.com. I wanted to highlight it because I hope nobody misses it. This is something that we cover all the time about our frontline workers, especially the truckers. And this one was, don't leave home without COVID-19 plan, the sick trucker urges. That's right. Our Canadian correspondent, Nate Tabak, he reported that Canadian trucker, Nicole Foles, she recounts her story from quarantine about the scary reality of falling seriously ill hundreds of miles away from home during the less than truckload run of the United States. And I know we've talked about this subject on here before, but now we're getting a first-hand account. She began to suspect she had COVID-19 as she prepared to make her final less-than-mile delivery into South Carolina last week, some 14 hours from home in Ontario. The sore throat and dry cough that she had, she noticed after she crossed into the U.S. It had only gotten worse, but now, you know, she's already headed into the U.S. She's off, on her way to her job. She got a thermometer. She has 101.3 fever on April 8th. Breathing became harder, and she had lots of pain. Yeah, it's crazy. because I mean, we have the April 8th uh, time. I don't know if there's any other dates through here, but if you look at the the geography of this as well, right? So she was in South Carolina when she suspected. And then she confirmed on the 8th with the, with the fever, et cetera. And by the time she got to Washington, Pennsylvania, a little bit of difference between, uh, you know, she was in where? She was in uh, South Carolina. So from South Carolina to Washington, Pennsylvania, which is Pittsburgh area, uh, she had a fever of 102 degrees. And, and symptoms were much, much worse. And by the time she got back to the hospital in Toronto on the 10th, uh, she actually needed oxygen. Ugh. Yeah, because she, she was fluid coming in the lungs, right? Right. Yeah. So she was full on uh, pneumonia going on there. Dude, and here's the problem. So since the onset of s- symptoms, she wasn't sure. I mean, it's like there's other sicknesses out there. Not everything is the coronavirus. So That's right. she's thinking... You know, I just have a cold. She's gonna. She made three deliveries, which is kind of unfortunate. And then she had to wait 21 hours for a backhaul to safely get her rig all the way back to Canada while following public health protocols. She's 26 years old too, so this isn't. You know, we always hear on the news it's an older demographic that's getting hit. Well, she was 26. She's among thousands of truck drivers who continue to move freight between Canada and the U.S. during this entire crisis. Uh, no amount of PPE and precautions could eliminate the risk of infection that they're that they're going to face. And she said one word of advice that she can give her fellow truckers is have a plan. And uh, she wrote this 600-word Facebook post that was chronicling all of that. Yeah, and, and I, I love she's saying, you know, have a plan. But what, what is that plan? Is it in that post? Because I did not read her, her Facebook post. Because, you know, it, you, you, you have uh, plans. You know, we call for plans for keeping the truck sanitized. And, and when they're slip seating, keeping them sanitized. And, you know, we're talking about they need the PPE. The, they need to be provided these things. But what happens when you suspect, like she did? She was in South Carolina and suspected it. Now, is it, like you said before, is it just a cold? Is it, is it allergies? Because allergies can present as, as, you know, a dry cough and a sore throat, et cetera, for certain people. Um, but, you know, are there protocols yet for what happens when you're sick on a road? Or is it just trucking company to trucking company as to what you do? In her circumstance, she had to talk to she made she said she made like 70 phone calls. So I think what she's referring to is know what to do with if you have a comp if you're have a you know you're a company driver, know where you have to bring your rig if you're sick, if you work for a smaller owner operator, know what to do. If you're out there on your own, know know where to go, know where your health insurance works. You're going through a lot of different states. So there's a lot of murky things. And we highlighted that a lot of the uh, a lot of the doctors that are at these the 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 rest area, the, the doctors that take care of truckers are chiropractors. So they're not really these medical health professionals yeah. that these people need to see. So that's uh, that's unfortunate. Another so, unfortunate. So what does so what does Fultz say? She says she's getting back on the road as soon as she's done with her quarantine. Oh, she's a trucker, man. You're not going to keep her down. No. Toot toot. No, Covenant. exactly. 
Give her a Covenant cowbell sh- for that one. Covenant shuts down. Oh, yeah. Here, here we go. We'll give her a little cowbell. Here's the bad news. Covenant shuts down SRT Sex Arcana Terminal and Operations, relocating to the Chattanooga headquarters. Check out Linda Baker's story on this, but they were citing economic challenges to, to, tied to the coronavirus epidemic. Yeah. Uh, Southern Refrigerated Transport, they're a reefer subsidiary of Covenant Transport. Reefer has been doing pretty well in this market, but uh, they had some issues running up even before the coronavirus. And unfortunately, they had to let go. I think it was 150 people, but no drivers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 740 drivers, 840 power units, uh, but they're all, uh, I guess they're all uh, back office or non-driving employees, 150. But yeah, it's like an, it's an acceleration of a cost containment plan that was, uh, I think, already in, in motion there. But, uh, you know, they also, in the memo, uh, their, their sea level, et cetera, are taking 50% to 20% uh, cuts for the next uh, few months. Not the only one. C.H. Robinson is slicing pay for executives over three months, too. C.H. Robinson has joined the trend of companies reducing compensation in the three suite to soap to uh, cope with the COVID-19 pandemic. We got, uh, who is it, 50% cut to Beasterfield Jr. Um, I mean, he's making 975000 so I think he'll be all right. Uh, they're yeah. getting all their compensation and stuff. This is a great story. I, I recommend you go and check out online, see what C.H. Robinson is doing to check it out. That was a story by, I believe it was uh, John Kingston who covered that one. So yeah. check it out. Let's call it Michelle Hankerston, though. She's the owner, operator, and CEO at Hazard Express. Uh, let's see what she's up to. I know that they are pivoting a little bit and bringing some PPE to to frontline workers who really need it more than ever. Yeah. As evidenced by their first headline. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, Michelle, how are you? Good. How are you, Tim? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I, uh, dude, can you hear Michelle just fine? I do. Michelle, how are you today? I'm doing fine. Great. Uh, as, as I mentioned, Michelle, she is the owner, president, and CEO at Hazard Express. I did a really great Freightwaves Insiders with her at the uh, – it almost seems like a different time. It seems like a whole different era that we met, Michelle, back at the air cargo meeting. At that time, this was still kind of like a Chinese issue with the, over in China with the coronavirus. It hadn't really hit our shores yet. wasn't even a huge topic at the air cargo club meetings, and now that industry is just getting brutalized by all this. It's amazing the changes. I agree. It is like a different world right now, just a few months later. You expedite a lot of, a lot of goods. You, you have your hands in a lot of pots, and you have done a bit of a pivot to react to this market. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing to aid frontline workers? Sure. Um, so some of the things we do, we do a lot of air freight. So obviously, we work a lot with airlines, uh, and that business is tricky right now. Uh, but we also do a lot of trucking. And we have drivers in major cities that do a lot of local pickup and delivery are out there on the front line. Um, one of our customer segments is actually uh, event logistics and specifically uh, merchandising and concerts. So as you can imagine, that business has basically come to a standstill on public events. So what we've been trying to do is procure our own uh, safety products for our drivers and frontline workers. And we found that uh, several of our customers are actually pitching in and helping. Uh, in that area of concerts and t-shirts, two of our customers have taken to making masks. So we are helping them actually ship those masks, but we've also become customers. Uh, in fact, one of the cu- customers is there in Chicago, and so they use some of their excess garment inventory that's sitting there and not being used for t-shirts to make masks. So it was kind of a great win-win that we could help move these masks, but also provide them to our drivers around the country. Um, and, and we've done that in Chicago and also with a customer on the West Coast. 
Wow. So uh, instead of getting my Van Halen 1977 T-shirt, I can get a Van Halen 1970 <laughs> COVID mask. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. You, you can actually have them imprinted. So for future use. That'd be pretty, <laughs> that'd be pretty sweet. That's interesting. So, Michelle, you guys are in uh, Atlanta, Philly, uh, uh, L.A., and Chicago, right? Those are your main offices. That's correct. So how how are you guys doing uh, with the uh, work from work from home? Because I mean, a lot of people don't understand exactly what Hassett Express does, right? So I, I kind of liken it to you've got carriers and you've got uh, brokers of truckload, et cetera. But then you have this other space that you guys are in, which is, you know, when it absolutely has to be done and you need the knowledge across all the different modes of transportation and logistics, it's a Hassett Express that comes in. So how does that complexity of what you guys do add to the difficulties of work from home or has it? Uh, I think we've made it work pretty well. Uh, we, you know, we had most people in the office, so it was a quite a change for us, uh, and we've been able to get most of our folks working from home and connected through the system, uh, so our tech team has done a great job helping them do that. Um, you know, we do have some people still there. Obviously, if you have drivers, you have to be able to dispatch, uh, so we do have some uh, skeleton operations crew, and that's part of who we're trying to protect with all the products as well. But yeah, it, it actually works well. We're using all the tools that probably everyone else is using, the Zoom, uh, other, other tools to have meetings and, and keep connected. So it's actually worked pretty well for us, believe it or not. And probably like other companies, it, it may make us rethink future processes. Wow, you took the, my next question right out of my mouth. I oh. was so, well, so, no, so many CEOs I've talked to, now that they've, they've taken the leap, right? They've gone, you know what? Our team is actually being really productive at home. None, none of the fears you may have had about a lack of productivity or, or everything falling apart hasn't been there. In fact, you know, some sales teams are, are even doing better without the distractions around them. So it's cool to see. And it seems like, I don't know, we're 2020. Maybe it's time for that whole new work from home era to really take off. It sure is nice dressing a little more casually, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it's actually, it's working for us. Of course, we have, you know, one segment of our business then that basically it stopped. So we look at this as an opportunity to redirect those resources, and those folks to help cross-train in other areas. Plus, we have some new technology rolling out this year, so they're going to be able to even spend more time on it. So we're trying to, you know, make the lemons into lemonade type thing. Um I have another story to share if you want to hear it. Oh, yeah. sure. Okay. Just a, just a plug for all the good things going on. So I think it's important to talk about what's good that's going on out there. Um, speaking of masks and supplies, uh, we recently did a, a, a truckload move for Allen Aid, and I know you're familiar with that, the American Logistics Aid Network, uh, and Kathy Fulton. Uh, I think Great Ways has done some work with them. So we try to help by looking at what loads they have posted. So we managed the transportation for a truckload of medical supplies and equipment came from Southern California to Winter Haven, Florida. And that just happened over the last couple of weeks. And wouldn't you know, this morning, I uh, our team got a great email from the founder of a group called Sobe. And Sobe is a foundation that actually, they're the ones that donated supplies and needed to get them to Winter Haven. Um, and I went on quickly, read about them, and was so impressed by what their organization is doing. I picked up the phone and called their founder, uh, Laura, and we had a nice chat right before I got on the phone with you. And just a, a, a plug for that organization, what they're trying to do, uh, moving uh, supplies, not only in the U.S., but they do a lot in Uganda. They're doing stuff in Mexico. But the cool story that she shared with me is her son, who's in his mid-20s, 
because uh, they're trying to find trucking resources. So this is a plug. If anybody out there, uh, can, they have more truckloads to move, so let me know. But their young son, actually, they rented a truck, and he moved it from Southern California, and he drove all the way to Florida to take some supplies. And as he stopped at truck stops and different things and met drivers that didn't have masks, he started pulling supplies from his truck and sharing with drivers along the way. I just thought that was so cool. That is cool. You know, Michelle, when I was working at FedEx Trade Networks, you know, we my division that I was working in dealt with footwear. And if, you know, a shipment got held up at customs or it, or it got delayed, it was like, you know what? All right. It, it stinks, but it's not life or death. But now with the PPE equipment, we are talking about life or death. It's it's a lot of responsibility. How do you feel taking that on? We're up to it. I mean, I, I guess and we're no different than any other uh, logistics or transportation company out there. Um, that's what we're built for. Uh, you know, you take on the unexpected loads, you make things happen, and you just, you're an extension of whoever it is that's giving you the load. So you, you just got to perform. Um, so to me, it, it's kind of an honor, and, it, and I'm glad we're, you know, in our own small way, uh, able to help a little bit. That's great stuff. Hey, how do people reach out and learn more? I know a lot of people have to take up these services these days. Yeah, so uh, through us, you can get us through our website, HassettExpress.com. Um, you can also reach out to me directly, and I'll get you to the right resource, whether that's within Hassett uh, or to help some of these companies like the, the Sobe uh, Foundation. And you can find me on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way to find me, Michelle Hawkerson. And I look forward to chatting with folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, any last words, Michael? No, just, hey, thanks for being out there, uh, Michelle, and thanks for the information, and, and hopefully people will reach out to you to help those organizations that are trying to get this stuff done. It's a great story. Yeah, we really well, appreciate it. Well, it's great it. that you guys are putting it out there. Thank you for uh, making it visible, and thanks for what you do. Thank you, Michelle. Have a great afternoon. Oh, good good stuff. I mean, I love I love hearing this from companies like nowadays there's just if you want to harp on the negative you can really fall down a rabbit hole right like some of the things like mark cuban i follow him on twitter he's been following what's happening with these ppp loans and some of what i'm hearing is just just awful you know like giant chain restaurants taking the money or, or schools with giant endowments taking this money but then we hear about these all these other great american businesses that are really picking up the slack here regardless if they can dip in their foot into that pool or not michael yeah, exactly. Just you know, stepping up and getting it done. Like, like she's like, she said, you know, you asked her about, you know, how does that responsibility weigh on you? How does it feel with this? Now it's life and death before it was just, you know, it was just a concert or whatever, which, you know, is important to those producers and the band and the fans, et cetera, but it's not life and death. This is life and death. And, and her, and her response was exactly what you get from the professionals and those that are committed in logistics is, well, we're just getting it done. Basically is what she said. It just needs, it needs to be done. And therefore we're going to get it done. There's this great viral video online talking about the importance of social distancing, stopping the spread, flattening the curve of COVID-19. If we could play that video really quick, and then I'll get Chris Wire on the phone just to give you all some context. If you haven't seen it before, you're going to see it right now. Roll the tape. Flatten the curve. I mean, <laughs> hey, Chris, what's up, man? This is Dooner and the dude. We just uh, we just showed your video to our to our audience. You guys did an amazing job. You are real. You're the CEO at Real Art, and you're the founder of Proto Build Bar. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate being on. Hey, how you doing, Chris? This is Mike. Hi, Mike. How you doing? I'm I'm doing well. I I I know you're a University of Dayton grad. Is that right? Well, we won't get into the grad or not grad part, but I did attend University of Dayton for about four years. Yes, <laughs> I've got a I've got a I've got a scar on my chin, courtesy of the Dayton Flyers from back in the '80s when I played at Mercer's University. Uh, Oh, I thought you were going to say Emily did that to you. No, <laughs> she, maybe she after, went to UD. Maybe after the show, but <laughs> now a lot of times, I mean, like Ohio is like the anchor of America. And I don't mean that it brings it down. I just mean that everybody seems to have some <laughs> sort of no, no. I mean, like someone, everybody is sort of anchored there for for one reason or another. There's some sort of relation. Like my sister went to Miami of Ohio, for example, and literally everyone I know has either like a family member who lived in Ohio or a cousin from Ohio. It uh, it everything kind of circles back there. Yeah, we're like the Kevin Bacon estates, man. I mean, <laughs> everything is tied to Dave right now. <laughs> so That's you beautiful. made, I, I, I love that this video you made, it was, it's really simple. I mean, it's just mouse traps, ping pong balls, showing the, the power and the impact of social distancing. And it's sort of like, uh, like a great Pixar movie in the sense that you could show it to a three-year-old or a 90-year-old. You could show it to someone who, know, who does not know any language whatsoever, and they can understand the concept of social distancing in less than 30 seconds. What gave you the idea to do that, and how did this all come together? Well, I mean, we were really looking for a way to kind of cut through all the other noise uh, that's out there right now and, and tell that story. And, you know, I mean, there's there's some good spots out there, but a lot of them are are using you know, stock photos and, you know, messaging to try to tug at your heartstrings. And, and I, I think that a lot of it's beautiful, right? But but we just kind of wanted to cut to the chase and do something visual that everybody could get. And honestly, I mean, I, I we as a, as a company here can't even fully take credit for it. I mean, it, it really goes back to my high school chem teacher who set up that experiment that's like way back from probably the 50s or 60s to try to depict what happens in nuclear fission. And I mean, I remember setting up the lab with, you know, a few hundred mouse traps with ping pong balls all on them. We walked into, into the classroom and he set them off and that started the whole day. And we all paid attention to that. And I, I just remembered that, you know, that kind of visual device, you know, that demo like captured all of our attention. And I thought, Hey, if, if we can do the same thing here, um, you know, we might have something. And, and it really, to me, did do a good job of showing, you know, what happens when we're all packed together versus what happens when we give each other a little bit of space. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I saw that as well. And when I first saw it, that's exactly what came to my mind was the was, you know, the nuclear fission. What 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 happens there in that example from back in high school physics, et cetera, going through that. And but it's brilliantly done. It's a really, really like Dooner was saying, it doesn't matter if you even speak language is uh, it, you can see exactly what those effects were. Yeah, they yeah, should. Have, they should have, uh, Chris. They should have aired that at some of the protests over the weekend. People are getting <laughs> awfully close to each other. I, I'm sure you saw some of that stuff on the news. Fortunately, they didn't look like they were that heavily attended, right? I mean, maybe a hundred or so people uh, smattering. Texas seemed to have a lot. But how did you feel when you saw that? You know, I get it, right? Um, I, I think it's a, a complicated subject. Um, you know, we are at the agency here, still sort of able. To you know, keep the business going, um, but it's tough. Um, I have a bar that I own um, that is completely closed down, and you know we're doing everything we can to take care of our people as long as we can. But man, there are a lot of people out there hurting, and uh, and I get it. Um, you know, and so it's this balance between doing 
the things that we believe uh, through science that are going to give us the best shot and give, you know, our frontline workers and the rest of the people that are out there, you know, taking care of us, um, you know, the best chance to keep up. And then also balancing that with, you know, how it's impacting, you know, businesses, families, people on a daily basis. So I don't think it was very well attended. I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, I'm practicing what I preach. So we've been at home. But but I do understand the frustration. I, I just hope that people can get their minds around the thought that, that this is a good path and that, you know, it's not going to last forever and that, that we'll get back and up and running um, the way we always have in the past. Um, it's just this is a little bit different one. Yeah, I, 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 it's interesting. I, I think it was an outlet of, of frustration. I did not attend. I wanted to attend to protest the protest because that's just my nature. <laughs> but <laughs> I, what, what I found interesting is that it was obviously a, a, an outlet for frustration because if you look at the different events, that it ranged from people out and hugging and giving kisses on the cheek and, 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 and shaking hands as if they were protesting the existence of the virus. And then there, there were those that were out protesting social distancing and, and so on, which was what the purpose of the, of the protest was, get back to work. Uh, but they wouldn't even get out of their cars. So what yeah. were they doing? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, um, people, uh, when put under pressure, uh, do some pretty crazy things. So, you know, I, I don't know what they're thinking, um, but I do get that there's a lot of, concern, uh, angst, and just like kind of frustration. And they're, they're trying to figure out, you know, what to do with that. Yeah. I I mean, I, I guess you make a great point there and you kind of touched on it, how it's, it's for a lot of people, you know, there's this internal external attack, which you have to, you have to think about when you're thinking about the virus, that it not just affects you, but it can impact other people. And you just being an asymptomatic carrier can be a big problem. But for a lot of people, they're not, you know, it's, it's hard to really actualize and, and give weight to a threat if it's not hitting you well this other financial threat is and that's probably at the forefront of a lot of these people's minds yeah i mean i think that's the thing that's hard for people to wrap their head around is that you know you can say hey well you know i'm not too worried uh i'll be fine i'm tough i'm young i'm whatever it is but the fact that you may impact so many people uh with your act or negligence or whatever it may be um, I think that that's what the spot and, and what the general message that the Ohio Department of Health is trying to communicate is like, you know, it really impacts so many people more than yourself. And, you know, I mean, everybody has their own line too, right? It's like we all follow rules until they get too close to impacting something that uh, that isn't great for us. And then we're like, well, we'll bend up for this. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, this is one of those things where I feel like you just got to follow it to the T or it doesn't do any good at all, right? Like, you know, it's just that one birthday party, um, that one gathering that can screw it up for so many people. And we've seen that again and again in different cities across the country. Yeah, Michael, what was it we were talking about having the peeing section in the swimming pool? You know, like... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Smoking section on, a, on an airplane. It very well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hey, uh, it, really? it doesn't. You got to break the chain, and your video, your video really displays that really, really well. Like we were talking about before, is it is frustrating, and when it starts to hit your own convenience, that starts to get people upset and frustrated. 
but also when it starts affecting their, your family's livelihood, et cetera, that it's not affecting me, uh, it, it starts to really increase that frustration, and you start protesting. But what you've got to come down to, like you said, is you can be the cause for somebody else dying of this, even though it's not you. That's right. Chris, I, I love the video, man. How do people reach out and, and learn more and drive some business your way? Um, well, I mean, you can always reach me, uh, you know, my email here at the office. Um, I mean, just reach out to Real Art. This is what we do. I mean, honestly, we're normally selling TVs and tennis shoes. Uh, but when the state reached out to us and said, hey, would you take, you know, and, and kind of put your spin, um, you know, on our message, we were like, sure. And I've got a great team here that, that I've worked with for, you know, we've been in business since 85. I haven't been there quite that long, but, um, you know, that, that is just really into finding unique ways to tell a story and to get people to do something. Um, and so, yeah, shoot us an email. Tell us what you're trying to achieve and, and see if we can help. The, the response across the world has been nuts, man. I mean, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of views online. Um, you know, emails from everywhere. I got, uh, I got the, a handwritten, hand-typed letter from a guy out in California uh, last week that sent me this cool little certificate that he said or made that are just like 10 attaboys to give to the staff um, <laughs> just because he loved it so much. So it's, it's been pretty phenomenal. Thank nice. you so much, Chris. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks, Chris. Uh, you know, great, great stuff. And you know what? This social distancing... More important than ever, the next guest we're going to talk to, Eric Goodman, he's a uh, coronavirus. He contracted coronavirus. He recovered over the past few weeks. He put a message out on LinkedIn. I saw it and I was I wanted to reach out to him to see his experience. He is not an, an old guy. And just like uh, Nicole Foles, right? 26. I, I believe that uh, he's 43. Oh, he, 43 years old. Yeah. So let's let's dial him up. He works for BNSF. We'll talk to him about what his experience has been and the message he wants to put out about the importance of social distancing. Yeah, I wonder um, what his idea or views on the protesters are. I, I, I mean, as someone who's who went through it, I imagine he can't, they can't be too high, but yeah. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hear it from his own words. And Chris says, uh, thanks. Hope that worked for you. Of course it did, Chris. Hey, Eric, what's up, man? How you doing, man? We're doing good, man. You are the, you're the man of the moment. I don't know if you were listening to the show, but just before we called you up, we were talking to Chris Weyer. He made that viral video with the mousetraps and the ping pong balls that showed the importance of social distancing. Nobody knows that more than you because you contracted the coronavirus, right? That is correct. I picked it up while on a, on a business trip down to Atlanta sometime uh, March 9th through the 11th. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, you were Vincent. You were over in Atlanta around that time too, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, as as a matter of fact, I was. Yeah, I was at Modex. Um, at right right about that time, I was fortunate and did not contract it. But because um, it sounds awful. I mean, your story here, I, I just I cringe and I go, yeah, I think I can stay at home for another couple of weeks. Yeah, Eric, bring us through it. So you went on this business trip. Tell us uh, how you learned you were having symptoms and how, what how things went from there. Yeah, I came home from my business trip on a Wednesday, went back to the office like I normally would on Thursday. Um, no issues at that point. But by Friday, I woke up and I just didn't feel myself, but I still went to the office. Um, it got to be about one third in the afternoon and I was just tired. And so I left the office early on Friday afternoon, came home and did something I rarely do, which is take a nap for about two hours. Woke up from that nap, kind of feeling, you know, still a little groggy and just wasn't quite myself. 
Uh, Saturday morning rolls around. I've got a low grade fever of about a hundred, uh, a real slight cough. Um, you know, not, nothing fancy. I kind of figured with the weather turning, uh, maybe perhaps it was some of my uh, allergy issues that were starting to manifest itself. Um, by Sunday morning, though, I was having trouble breathing, and my fever had spiked up to about 103. So I did the teledoc thing, and they told me I needed to go to the hospital immediately and get tested for COVID. And so that was on March 15th. And I wasn't there very long before they transported me by ambulance to the main hospital where I was placed into the ICU. Man, what was that ride like to the yeah, hospital where they're telling you to go tested for COVID? Well, it's kind of funny. When they told me I was being tested for COVID, um, I kind of had a mild panic attack at that point because, you know, you see all the stuff on the news and the media out there about, you know, how deadly this virus is. And they hooked me up to the EKG. They actually thought that I had a mild heart attack. It turned out it was nothing. But yeah, I, I can imagine the stress. Attack. The stress and the panic must have been yeah. unbelievable. So I was in the hospital for four and a half days in the ICU before they released me um, because my my COVID test had come back inconclusive. And all I had at this point was a fever and a cough. So they released me from the hospital and I went back home um, for two and a half days before it was March 22nd, Sunday morning. I woke up um, probably feeling the worst I'd felt. Uh, fever was like 103.5, not able to control it with Tylenol. Um, coughing, shortness of breath. I actually felt like somebody was standing on my chest oh, would be wow. the best way to describe oh. it. Uh, my wife called the hospital, told me that they would be uh, ready for me when I got there. Uh, my wife dropped me off at the emergency room door. She was not permitted to come inside because of all the precautions associated with COVID. She dropped me off. A nurse practitioner and a nurse and a doctor all met me in an ER room. From the time I arrived until they had me sedated, intubated, um, 28 minutes. Wow. They didn't, they didn't waste any time at all. And for the next 13 days, I would be uh, under sedation. At some point, uh, I was also paralyzed, uh, medically paralyzed. So I was basically put into a uh, medical coma for, uh, for 13 days where they would flip me onto my stomach, then flip me back on my back back over to my stomach. Um, they tried the uh, hydroxychloroquine uh, uh, you know, malaria treatment combined with a Z-Pack. That didn't quite work. And on about the ninth or 10th day, they tried uh, an experimental drug that's been approved by the FDA for, uh, for COVID and patients that are pretty bad. It's called Ectemra. Um, it's primarily used for rheumatoid arthritis, but their thought process was that it would um, kind of lower um, some of the stress that was going on in my body to the point that it would, uh, would allow me to, to lower my fever. And that's exactly what it did. Within 24 hours, I actually broke the fever. And then uh, two and a half days later, I woke up from the, uh, from the sedation. Are, were you and just, that's where the real one Were you just out of it this whole time in the hospital? Do you even do you remember your experience there because of all the sedation? I imagine it must have been awful for your family members too, especially because, I mean, some of the stories that you hear from doctors are just terrible where you never get to see your loved one again and you have to say goodbye to them via, you know, FaceTime chat, which is just horrifying. Yeah, I mean, I, other than having some really lucid dreams while I was out, um, uh, no, I, I uh, uh, 
you know, I didn't get a chance to, my, my wife did get a chance to come up and see me twice, but that was primarily a function of the fact that I was in such bad shape that the hospital wasn't sure if I was going to make it. And so they actually allowed my wife to suit up in the hazmat stuff and, uh, and come in and see me for about an hour. Um, so it, it was real touch and go there for a while. But, you know, the real work began once I woke up. Um, that, that's the part that most people don't hear about is that when you're under uh, sedation like that for 13 days, you wake up with a condition known as ICU delirium. You don't know where you're at. Um, the first time they allow you to FaceTime with your family. You know, I recognized my wife's face, but I could not remember her name. Um, they asked me a bunch of basic questions. I gave absolutely wild answers to, you know, like what, do you know what year it is? And I, I, I guess I answered nine eleven. Um, wow. You know, just, just, wow. stuff, just stuff like that. It took a good couple, three days for me to kind of, you know, drink by drinking a lot of water to get that, those drugs out of your system. And then I had to learn to walk again because it's been under for so long that you kind of forget how to do some of that basic stuff. And so after waking up, I think I was awake for five or six days. They transferred me to a rehab hospital where I could get some more uh, more intensive physical therapy to to get me you know back on my feet and learn how to do some basic tasks. Hey, Eric, one of our viewers, Catherine Whitehouse from Jones's Express, she says, I'm so thankful you survived this, Eric. Thank you for telling us of your experience. Wake up, people who are protesting. Well, Michael and I talked about this before you came on. When This weekend, you saw a bunch of people protesting, some people saying it's a hoax, saying this, that, and the other thing. What's your message to those people? My message to those people is, uh, is you know, if you're, if you're that confident that, uh, that you're not going to catch this virus, then why don't you come over by my house and I'll cough in your face? Um, you know, because this is a serious thing, folks. And and I understand that folks are tired of being in quarantine. They're tired of being stuck in their house with their, with their family and and trying to play the part of teacher and trying to work from home and and trying to make all of this tough work. Um, but, but I can tell you that, uh, um, I I don't think the risk is necessarily worth the reward at this point. I think this is going to play itself out. Um, I, I think that people need to look back at history and see what happened back uh, during the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918 and, and see what happened shortly after uh, everybody flooded the streets for the parades following Armistice Day in, uh, in World War One, And then the following two weeks after that, more people were killed by the Spanish flu in the two weeks following Armistice Day than there were in the entire World War One. So, you know, let, let's think about what's happened in the past and make sure that we don't repeat it. Yeah, man. So thank you so much for sharing your journey with us. Uh, if us here at Freight Waves can do anything for you, let me know, especially offline. I'd be more than happy to to help you. Uh, I guess before we let you go, what's next for you? Do you are you getting back to work soon? Um, actually I've got a, a fairly rigorous physical therapy stuff that I have to go through at home. Um, I will tell you right now, my mind is about 85% back where it was. My body is only about 50%. I lost 46 pounds while I was in the hospital there between, wow. uh, we'll call it March 5th and April 11th. I got a lot of muscle mass. I got to build back. Um, so I, I'd say at this point, the earliest return to work for me is probably looking around the, the first part of May. Wow. Wow. So but, I, Eric, man, uh, God bless you. Stay safe. I'm going to give you a little cowbell, dude.
Couple yeah. couple bells for you, dude. Thank you so much for joining us today on the air and sharing your story with everybody. It's very important to get it out here. This is not just a this isn't fake news. This really affects real people. Wow. Uh Jesus, wow. man. What a what a journey. What yeah. a no and a journey still ahead of him, right? He's still going through physical therapy every day. I know it's not like I think people think like the ones that are saying it's just a flu. It's you're you're just going to be home like a flu. You're sick for like three days, right? Three, four days. You get back up. You might lose five pounds. You might, you know, you might run through some toilet paper. You might throw up a little bit. You might have a cough or something. But th this guy is, you know, not only did he have to quarantine or be in a hospital for what was it? 13 days in a medical coma. How scary is that? And now he's got to go through all this physical therapy for uh, at least the next month. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's very scary. And I, I, I bet he would he would trade uh two three months of uh you know social distancing and house lockdown for those 13 days in in an induced coma any day of the week yeah Is, I mean, hey, i've had the flu, flu before i've had a flu very very bad before <laughs> but i've never yeah. been put in the hospital and intubated and put into a coma for or you know an induced coma for 13 days well, we're going to do the same thing called Big Deal, Little Deal with Emily Zink. Of course, that was all just a big deal. Uh, we can, we'll, we'll run through some more of the news here and um, hopefully get to some lighter stuff. But I, I hope this, this episode has been informative, too, just about the uh, the importance of the PPE that a lot of our, our drivers out there need. I was talking to them on FreightWaves Radio over the weekend, where Emily also joined me. And one of the big issues that they were talking about is that, you know, when the, when the story first broke, everyone started going into quarantine. You know, some supplies were given to workers, some thought was put into it. And now a lot of people are being left to fend for themselves during the second wave as this thing goes on. So let's not forget about our workers who still are out there. We're calling them essential, not expendable. Let's remember that. Yeah, and as the, the curve apparently flattens, uh, it's not time to say, oh, we're good. We, you know, it's not time to take a breath and, and relax. It's time to hammer down and fight it even worse. Hell yeah. So is Emily up there? Emily, I believe is, yeah, it's telling me on the screen that ready, it, it, we're ready for Emily. She's here. Okay, great. Hey, Emily. Hey, I was standing right next to you, Michael. You can't see me over here. <laughs> you told me I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed to look at you. <laughs> you are very good with your training. I love Co it. Cody said, look at the red light. If you've been looking at the red light, yes, I have not done a good job. I've been looking at you, yes. Uh, a very informative show today, guys. You really had some great firsthand accounts with all different things, from someone making a PSA to somebody who is actually a survivor of the coronavirus. So, incredible show. But, Duner, you were just talking about PPE, and truck drivers are very concerned about the lack of PPE as lawmakers call for a czar to help drivers secure personal protective equipment. Duner, is this a big deal? or a little deal. Well, we know a thing or two about czars here at Freight Waves, and I would say that uh, it's uh, it's a big deal because, like we mentioned, we can't. I think it's so easy for this stuff to fall through the gaps, right? People go, "Okay, we checked the box, we sent some medical masks, we sent a thousand of this, we sent some hand sanitizer," and then they forget that that was three weeks ago or a month ago, or you know. And now the people are like, "Well, these masks get dirty, or we're out of sanitizer, or I got to clean my truck out," and uh, and. A part of it's this psychological thing, too. I think the, these people are out there on the front line. They have to feel like they are supported, right? And that's not just through hashtags. That's through actual actions. Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree. Big deal. And also filed under the duh category. Why wasn't this done earlier? Uh, you know, when you read through it and what the czar is going to do, actually monitoring where masks are going, where the hotspots are, where, where these imports that are coming and being uh, given to private industry and, and, and actually coordinating this effort, not just shedding a light on the fact that it needs to be done. It's a big deal. 
So yeah, I, I think we all could agree on that one, that that one is a big deal. Well, increasing lead times could be the new Amazon effect and potentially a problematic sign for LTL. Vincent, big deal or little deal on this one? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to uh, I'm going to call this one. Uh, it's a little deal because it's a it's an observation. We haven't seen uh, tender lead times take the jump that they have. And that's tender lead times. And we track them in sonar. And what it what it is, is it's the days between. Uh, a load being tendered to a carrier and when it has to be picked up. And typically when volumes go really high, uh, like they have been through the spike, and rejections start to go high, your tender lead time starts to drop as carriers are fall or shippers are falling out of the routing guide and need to secure uh, 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 capacity quicker. You know, I, I give you a load for next Wednesday. That's X number of days. Now you fall out on Friday. I've got to find somebody else on Friday. My tender lead time is that we're measuring it is, is shrinking, right? It hasn't in, the, in this case. It's actually increased. And there's several observations that are there is, you know, the reduction in the number of shipments or the reduction in the uh, from Amazon in their prime uh, uh, service allows them to fill those trailers a little longer. So they don't have to the demand or the expectation from the consumer or from the from, yeah, whether it be business or or or, or private enterprise or private person. Uh, the expectation for that service isn't quite as high. And so that delay in shipping can, can happen as shippers protect their core carriers with the limited amount of shipments that they do have. And those trucks can wait another day, two days, three days, four days, five days to fill up for it to move when it's non-essential goods. Hmm. Well, that was he said little deal, right? And that was a, that was a long ex explanation for a little deal. Usually, they're usually we just brush them off if they're smaller. So I'm not going to argue that one. The only thing I will say is that I guess the big deal about it is that LTL in general is is having their own struggles, just yeah. like all lines of of freight are. Yeah, but the T uh, the the TLT measuring that and looking at that and looking at that observation in particular, it, it's not a huge deal. It, it's interesting and it's something that you should be understanding and watching if you're in supply chain, a carrier, broker, or or, or shipper. But um, as uh, grand overall, uh, it's an interesting observation. Yeah. Well, I learned a lot from that, Michael. I appreciate it. Thank you for explaining that one. Well, travel centers yeah, in America. No, it was good. I was like, all right. <laughs> well, we throw out terms all the time about like tender lead time and stuff like that, and some of our viewers may not have context to that. So I thought that was a perfect explanation. So I wasn't being sarcastic. I was, I was being for real. All right. Well, yeah. mic drop. Mic yeah, drop. I'm out. All right. <laughs> well, Travel Centers of America is laying off more than 3,000 employees because its full-service restaurants, as most drivers have been telling us, are currently closed and traffic is way down. Dooner, big deal or little deal? Uh, big deal. I mean, like, this is just more job loss, right? I mean, we, we are hearing just more and more people being added to this unemployment line. The network is already being taxed as it is. The new numbers will be out this week. We had about six and a half and six and a half million twice in a row than about five and a half last week. Um, hopefully that goes down. But when you hear stories like this, where 3000 more people are just being laid off like that, right? Like names on a spreadsheet, just deleted from uh, the workforce. We, we talked about covenant earlier. Those were more firing. So it's always a big deal when a ton of people are losing their jobs. And this kind of, this news is curious because it's coming after, uh, w was it pilot? One of the other rest stops had said they were hiring 2000 people, which seemed curious because you're losing all that traffic with, uh, vacationers and, and there's less trucks on the road and all that stuff. So I'm not sure, you know, it's not a surprise that they're laying off staff at these, at these rest areas. Yeah, not, not a surprise, but I, I can't, I can't put a, a little deal label on anything where people are losing their jobs. It, it's a big yeah. deal.
Well, this is some good news because obviously we were just talking about people being laid off and all the furloughs we've been hearing about. But it sounds like Caterpillar recently announced its Texas distributor will hire 100 new employees for its new Waco location. Big news or little news, Vincent? It's big news. Someone's hiring. And, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, I'll take the exact opposite stance on the, on the other. It, it, it is still a, it is still a big deal. It's less jobs than were lost in our previous big deal, little deal. Uh, but it, it's a hundred people going to work and, and their new manufacturing jobs. And when I, when, when I read through that article, it, it is not related to response to the pandemic. It is planning on new manufacturing, uh, as, as we pull through this. So that to me is a big deal. It's great. It's a great positive. Yeah, over the weekend, a gentleman named Carmen Ramos out of Texas, he called me up and he they usually pull loads from Tijuana through a few distribution centers in the United States from Masonite. And he said that on Friday, they just got blindsided. Their company got an email that all loads are, are to be dropped, no more to be picked up. The whole line of business is done. He said it was over 1,500 shipments. Uh, that's from a plant closing. We talked about some of these pork plants closing. So a plant opening and hiring is uh, is great news because it's at least bringing some things in the opposite direction. And Caterpillar is a fairly decent economic a company. It's a fairly decent economic in, indicator of industrial output and things like that. Yeah, nice. Good news there. Definitely a big deal. People are hiring. Well, you guys mentioned this earlier in the show, but on Thursday, April 23rd, so this Thursday, Triumph Pay will host a virtual event helping brokers to drive ahead in these uncertain times. Dooner, big deal or little deal? You said it right there. Uncertain times is a big deal. A lot of a lot of everyone out there is looking for ways to navigate this. It's a changing situation. It's in flux, and you know it keeps getting extended. But then you know it's there's so much just uncertain. If you're just watching this, you could go crazy, right? You can get pulled in so many different directions thinking about this stuff. So I'm glad companies like Triumph Pay are going to have a, a a sober look on this and talk about how to navigate it using data and using their expertise. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree. It's a big deal. I mean, the 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 reasons behind it. Obviously, we don't have to. Keep talking about those. Make it a big deal. But uh, what they're doing here, I think, is an excellent. It's it's sharing of knowledge. It's being transparent about how you can succeed. It's getting thought leaders together to talk that through. And it's extremely important. And hopefully uh, it'll be very informative and it'll help a lot of people. I'm sure it will be. Uh, what I meant to say is I, I hope that things stick and we change for the good even as we come out of this. Well, I think I know how you both feel about this next one, but of course, I'm still going to ask. On Sunday, about 150 Chattanoogans gathered on the Market Street Bridge upset about the COVID-19 restrictions. Michael Vincent, big deal or little deal? I think it's a huge deal because it shows our inability to protest properly <laughs> when you combine them all together. Uh, outside of that, I think it, you know, it, it it is somewhat of a big deal because it is showing the frustration level of people. Because it, when you look at the different the different protests, as we talked about before, uh, they weren't really consistent on how they were acting and how they were protesting. It was like you know, protesting the actual existence of the virus and then protesting against social distancing and lockdown. But I won't get out of my car. And it really, I, th I think, the bigger underlying deal is, is it's showing that you know the the the, the it's wearing thin. It's wearing thin on people. In the frustration is 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 growing and we've got to figure out how to stay together and 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 continue the effort that we're doing and find a good plan to get people back to work in a safe way when the numbers uh, uh allow for that and give people that sense of hope and, and start to relieve some of that frustration before it gets bad yeah, you know what? You can't quarantine stupidity. And I'm not saying all the people there were stupid. There's a lot of economic reasons for uh, 
for, for people being out there. And but, you know, if you look to like, for example, Tel Aviv, right, they did their big protest. And if you look at the images of that, people there are in the videos, they're they're socially distancing, they're wearing masks, they're doing it responsibly. And they're protesting what uh, seemed to be a message that our protesters were doing, that they don't like the restrictions being put on things. Yeah. But then it was almost like, uh, but at least they were acknowledging, like in Tel Aviv, they're acknowledging this virus exists and it can impact people. And even getting in a group just to protest can be dangerous and irresponsible to other people around them, not just themselves. But w- if you look at our protests here in America, it was, uh, it was a lot of white a lot of white dudes, to be honest. I mean, uh, gathering around. In Chattanooga, we didn't have a lot of long arms, but if you looked in like New Hampshire and Texas and stuff, you know, these these guys were like geared up to the max standing out there. A lot of people not even wearing a mask, my body, my choice, appropriating slogans that mean something completely different. So like murky situation, I just wish people would be more responsible and just recognize the fact that, look, I know that there's struggles financially. And, uh, you know, look to Chris Wire. He mentioned he had that bar. He had the proto bar, uh, just 3D printing, wine, food, all those kind of things. And he's making a video telling people to socially distance. He's working against his own economic interest at yeah. this bar because he's working the interest of the people. Uh, good point there. That w- that was good to hear from Chris because obviously he's very invested because he has a small business, but he also understands the risks of not socially distancing ourselves. One World Together at Home, a concert organized by the World Health Organization in Lady Gaga, raises more than $127 million. Dooner, big deal or little deal? Huge deal. Huge deal. I love it. Uh, I love it for so many reasons. One, it's uh, if you can't rely, uh, if you can't rely on your on your government for support or the messages you're getting from the media or whatever it may be, it's great to see people coming together and, and, and entertainment and using these these interests to raise money. Concerts and things like that are just getting brutalized. So I also think that this is a great event for musicians to get people accustomed to watching concerts from home and watching entertainment from home. It was cool seeing all these different people in their own environments, uh, making fun of uh, Matthew McConaughey's wrestling mask behind him, wondering what he does with those <laughs> things on, and uh, it was. It was enjoyable too. Like I like this. I really like the Disney sing along special. I liked what Saturday Night Live did. I like that what we're doing with the virtual events. We're not just all living off reruns. We're all moving forward and we're creating content and getting information out there and entertainment out there and taking people's minds off things in the best way that we can. So hell yeah, good, good job, Lady Gaga. Great job, One World. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm going to concur. It's a big deal, and it's great to see. It's very, very helpful, obviously, with the money raised. It's also very helpful to get people's minds off of things. It's very innovative. It puts some people back to work that maybe not be able to in the entertainment industry. Is that being heard as well? So all around a big deal, and thumbs up. Great job. Yeah, well, Emily, were you and any watching uh, any of that One World? I didn't know it was on, so I did not watch it. But I did watch uh, David Guetta, Guetta however you, the you DJ. Did. He was doing a concert out in Miami outside of an apartment complex, and it was cool to see everyone come out of their complex and stand on their deck and kind of just jam to this concert in Miami. But I was like, only in Miami would that happen. I, I don't think we'd see something like that here in Chattanooga. <laughs> no, but I mean, the more and more stories too. I, I like, I wish like Coachella or some of these festivals that had canceled had been a little bit more forward thinking and they could have, you know, not only just entertained fans, they could have either raised money or continued to make money. They could have had their branding on it. I think Golden Voice uh, owns them. They could have put some of these musicians to work and production people to work, people who, um, you know, people are more than willing to accept this kind of content. And I think I, I, I just, I, I like what's happening there. Yeah, agreed. 
I think uh, it, Emily. Yeah, it goes to show that people aren't looking for extremely highly produced stuff. You've seen people do Broadway sing-alongs from their living rooms. We're not watching them under the bright lights of Broadway singing, and we're still thrilled because we're hearing these beautiful voices. So I think people have been a lot more accepting of what kind of content they're getting and in what platform or form. As long as they're getting entertainment, I think people are very content. Yeah, and, I've, and like psychologically, just as, as a nation and as a world, it was called One World. I think it's kind of cool to see these people in their own environment. So everyone else, like we're in a period of isolation. Everyone's in their own form of isolation, but it's shared isolation because we're all experiencing the same thing at once. Yeah, it showed unity through that, and it brings, uh, bring, brings people down to reality. They were, they were real. I think that's what you're saying, Emily, is, is it's, it's not produced – it's not highly produced. It's much more entertaining, I think, that way anyways. I like things that are, that are not produced, uh, overly produced. Um, and, and, you know, it, taking people's minds off of it, et cetera, it's awesome. We're going to bring, we're going to take people's minds off of, uh, well, probably not going to be talking about uh, how this is impacting supply chains and transportation, but hopefully we'll be doing it in an entertaining and an awesome way. And uh, as well produced as we can, this, this Freight Waves live event, what's the elevator pitch on that, Emily? Yeah, so that is at May 5th through 7th. You could watch right here on Freight Waves TV. And we're going to have full lineup starting at 9 a.m., full days. And the cool thing is if you were excited for the agenda for Atlanta, basically that same agenda is going to happen on Freight Waves Live at home. And you don't even have to leave your house to be a part of our entire fun, full three-day virtual event. That's awesome. So uh, one of the biggest things there was was is and that I liked and many people commented on were, were all of the the uh, the demos. Are we, are we still going to do the demos and to be able to interact? Of course, we're still going to do the demos. It awesome. wouldn't be a Freight Waves live event without the demos. So, yeah, the companies have been so grateful to still have a platform to do this on. And we're we're so happy that they've been accommodating to us. So you're still going to get to see those rapid fire demos. Of course, if it goes over seven minutes, we're going to cut them off. So everyone has been very good about staying in that time frame. So it's fun to see because we've been recording a lot of the stuff here. Companies have been sending us content. So it's cool to see everything come together. And the day of the, the fifth, sixth and seventh, those days, of the event. It's just going to be great because everyone's going to have their own virtual community to interact. They're still going to be networking via Slack channels. You're not going to miss out on the networking. So I'm just really excited for this all to come together and present it to everyone then. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see how well those are produced. Is it going to be like Dooner in his cap uh, in his bedroom talking about the next uh, digital brokerage there, demoing? That'd be sweet. Some of them will, right? right? Some of them will. <laughs> Some of them maybe. I, I, I was actually watching one the other day, and I was like, wow, that's a really fancy background. And one of our videographers was saying, well, she went out and bought it to do her demo in front of. So people are really stepping it up, and it's, it's been great to see everyone kind of adapt to the times of this virtual world and having to – kind of become videographers on their own. I mean, they're not trained in any video or audio, but they've done a fabulous job with the instruction of my team. So it's, it's been cool to see. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome stuff. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere podcasts are heard around the world. But if you want to see our beautiful faces, download the Freightways TV app. Catch us on What the Truck at noon on, on Mondays and Fridays during the week. We got to put that coffee down on Wednesday. Then bookending that, we got the coronavirus free market update Tuesday and Thursday. Guys, hit the music. Thank you to all our guests today. We had uh, Chris Wire, Michelle Hopkinson, everybody out there. Thank you to Emily Sink. Thank you to Eric Mann, Eric uh, getting through that disease. Great stuff, man. Powerful stuff. Stay home. Stay safe. Stay out of harm's way. Spread the love.